I can't tell you how many conferences I've seen advertised that have a theme something along the lines of Vision 2020 for the future. It's really catchy. Well, we're, we're in the year 2020, so how is the year going for you? We always, we always talk about our hopes and our dreams and our, our, uh, our resolutions at the beginning of a new year, but then we kind of leave it until the beginning of the next year. So this is kind of like a mid-year checkup. How have the first few months of 2020 gone for you? I'm going to guess that there were probably some unexpected things that happened. Um, actually, as we record this, we are in the midst right now of the coronavirus pandemic that swept across the world and throughout our country, changing life as we know it. If you would have asked me to predict that in 2019, I would not have, that would not have been on my radar, right? So what about the future? Uh, what about the next few months? What about the rest of the year? Can you see what's coming? Well, neither can I. Well, what do we do with that uncertainty? There are some solutions out there. The world certainly has some solutions. Uh, one of the um, magazines that I subscribe to has an article that I like reading called The Last Word. It's the last two pages of the magazine. And recently, the article piqued my interest because it was entitled um, Learning to Accept Your Decline. And the basic premise of the article was that um, in your career, you go on an upward pattern for about 20 years and you hit a peak and then you plateau for a while and then you start your decline in, in your life. Um, and that was kind of a depressing article, but what was more depressing was the solution they offered for it. They said that because your decline in your career is linked with the fear of death, then the answer can be found in Buddhist corpse meditation. Uh, apparently there are some monasteries in Thailand and Sri Lanka uh, where they, they, they display photos of corpses at various stages of decomposition and they want the monks to contemplate them. And the idea is the more you meditate on death, the less power it has over you because it doesn't become strange anymore. So in other words, lean into death and your demise and things will get better. What? <laughs> that doesn't solve the problem. Then again, some of the religious answers aren't any better. Um, recently I heard a preacher preach um, that I didn't agree with, obviously, but he, he preached that we need to prophesy our future, that your words become your reality. Uh, so the idea is if, if negative things are happening in your life, it's because you're thinking negative thoughts. So just think positive thoughts and prophesy good things for your future and they'll, they'll become a reality. So you need to be saying things like, I'm getting younger, I'm going to keep a full head of hair, I'm going to keep my health. Again, what? <laughs> that is not what the Bible says. And that's not how life works. Not for that preacher either. So what do we do with the uncertainty of the future. Instead of focusing on things and speculating about things that we can't see, we need to look at the things that we can see. And the things we can see is what God says in his word. God says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Notice that God doesn't say here, you know the plans or you control them. He says, I know the plans, I control them. And so while we may not be able to see the specifics of the future, there is one who does. There's one who holds our future. The one who loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross to take away your sins so that you would be in heaven with him. He's the one that not only sees your future, but he controls it to make sure you're in heaven with him one day. Let's pray. Jesus, lead us on till our rest is won. 
And although the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless. Guide us by your hand to our fatherland. Amen. Rather than speculating on things that we can't see in the future, we're focusing this week on things that we can see. And what I can see from Scripture is what God says about the person who's into the Word of God. Now, maybe you're like so many, me included at times, that think, yeah, you know what, but when I read the Bible, I don't always feel like I get anything out of it. It's interesting. We want immediate gratification because we live in a culture that wants a good return on their investment. In other words, if I'm going to spend time reading God's Word, I want to get something out of it. Well, God says that you do. You just don't always see it immediately in your life. It's kind of like how Chinese bamboo grows. Um, Chinese bamboo grows for four years underneath the surface without a single sign of visible growth above the soil. Uh, but then in that fifth year, do you know what happens? It, it has explosive growth. In fact, it grows uh, 90 feet in 30 days. It, it grows so fast you can actually see it and hear it growing. Now, does that mean the first four years were worthless because you didn't see any visible growth above the soil? Well, no. It was sending down roots, making it possible um, to sustain that incredible explosive growth in the fifth year. Uh, that's the way that it works with reading God's Word sometimes, uh, where we read the Word and we don't necessarily see it, but the growth is happening. Now, what does God say for the person who is into the Word of God? Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night meditates on his law day and night. So, what does it mean to meditate? It's interesting, in, in Eastern thought, uh, the idea of meditation is to empty your mind of rational thought. But biblically, the idea of meditation is to fill your mind, the exact opposite, with, with spiritual thought. In fact, that word meditate is a rich word. Um, elsewhere in the Bible, it's translated a little differently. It's translated as growl. So in Isaiah 43, uh, it says, as a lion growls over its prey. So the word meditate is translated as growl there. W what's behind that? Well, just think this through. Um, maybe you have a dog at home. What happens when you give the dog a treat or give the dog a bone? That dog gets consumed by that bone, right? Nothing else in the world exists except for that bone and you just hear him growling with throaty growls of delight, right? Um, he gets lost in it. That's what God wants us to do when it comes to his word. He wants us to meditate on it, to get lost in it, to be totally consumed by it. And what happens when we do? The psalm goes on and says this, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. That person yields its fruit in season. What does that mean? It means that God is going to give you the words to speak at the right time. I think back to when I was a very young pastor. Um, I like to think I'm still a young pastor, but when I was even younger, um, and, and I was setting up the, the church for a guest preacher who was coming in to preach for a Thursday night at 7 p.m. because we had a service at that time. And I remember talking to the ushers and my cell phone rings and I will always remember it, it was 6.43 because I looked at the time and it was the preacher saying, ah, Dave, yeah, sorry, um, not going to be able to make it. Okay, contrary to popular opinion, you cannot write a sermon in 17 minutes. So I just kept greeting people 
and um, I started the service and I got to the sermon and I said some words and here's my tip, if you ever need to preach a sermon and you don't have one prepared, make it short, right? So I, I preached for maybe 10 or 12 minutes and the service was over and I was greeting people on the way out and this woman came out and she had tears in her eyes and she shook my hand, took my hand in both hands and she said, thank you, Pastor. That's exactly what I needed to hear tonight. And I thought, really? Wow, that's awesome. What did I say? Because I really don't remember. <laughs> but God gave the words to speak. Um, a person who is into the word of God will yield their fruit in season. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, open now my heart to hear, and through your word to me draw near. Let me your word air pure retain. Let me your child and heir remain. Amen. Yesterday we saw that um, we could see from God's word that a person who meditates on God's word is going to be blessed. And maybe you're thinking with me, yeah, I know, but there's so many other things. And we let all these other excuses come into our lives for why we're not going to meditate on God's word. I mean, take our current situation right now. Our country is dealing with the coronavirus pandemic and it has thrown our lives upside down. But do we use even something like that, that break in the routine, um, as an excuse for why we're not meditating on God's Word because we have so many other things to do. <laughs> There's a story that's told about a, um, a man who went to his first Super Bowl. He was a diehard football fan and he went to his first Super Bowl and he sat down in his seat and he noticed the seat next to him was open and so he commented on it to the woman sitting across from him and she said, that was my husband's but he died. And the man said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. But even so, I'm just surprised that nobody jumped at the chance to take his seat. I mean, this is the Super Bowl, a friend or a family member. And the woman said, beats me. They all insisted on going to the funeral. Do you get the point? Uh, the problem is not with the wonderful things that God gives us to do in this life, but it's sometimes in what we leave undone. Because here's the truth. When, when we leave undone, meditating on God's word, uh, that can have a huge impact on our life. There are many impacts, but one that I want to focus on today is that being in God's Word really gives us perspective, especially when you think of what our country is going through right now. And we need that perspective. Without it, in my life, I'll swing between two sides of a pendulum, between pride and despair. Here's what I mean. So I'm a teacher, I'm a professor. Um, and when things are going really well in the classroom, when students are really attentive and they're doing all their homework and they, they stand up on their desks and they say, oh, captain, I make my captain every time I come into the room. Okay, that doesn't actually happen. But when things are going really well, it's easy for me to just look at my life and go, you know what? I'm a pretty good teacher and I puff up with pride. But then just as quickly, things don't go so well and students aren't doing an assignment and they're not paying attention and they might even be sleeping in class. Okay, that doesn't happen either, right? Um, but when things don't go well, then it's just as easy for me to look at myself and go, oh, I'm terrible and I fall into despair. Um, between pride and despair, both of those conclusions are wrong. Instead, I should be meditating on God's word and then I'm reminded that I am God's child and that is the only thing that defines me. Uh, finally, if things go well in your life, then to God be the glory. And if they go poorly in your life, well again, to God be the glory because you are still his child. Apply that to yourself as, in your role as, as, a, as a worker or an employer, as a spouse, as a child, as a friend. When you look at the Gospels, 
you notice something about Jesus, that he's, he's always being pressed by the crowd. Uh, people are always looking for his attention, and yet he makes sure that he takes time to, to, to go away from the press of the crowd and spend time with his Father in prayer and meditation. Um, and oftentimes you'll see in the Gospels that he takes his disciples away from the press of the crowd because he wants to spend time just with them. Understand, that's what God wants to do for you too. Jesus wants to take you away from the press of your life and, and he wants to spend time with just you in his word. And the beautiful thing about it is that you have his total attention. Uh, that, that's uh, an aspect of God's imminence. So when we talk about God's imminence, we're saying that, that he can't be divided. So wherever he is, he is 100%. And that means that when you open up God's word and you are reading from his word, you have his total attention. In fact, you have more of his attention than he has of yours. That's a neat fact. But even better than that is what he tells you in that word. He says, my child, my sister, my brother, he says, I love you. I love you so much I died for you so that you would be in heaven with me. Now whatever you have going on in your life right now, whatever it is, I'll be there. Though everybody else may leave, I never will. I will be with you and I will bless you. And that's an important perspective to have, especially with uh, the, the coronavirus uh, sweeping throughout the country and, and making people anxious and nervous. We need to hear that God is still on his throne. He's still in control and he'll never leave you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, your word inspires my heart within. Your word grants healing from my sin. Your word has power to guide and bless. Your word brings peace and happiness. Amen. Instead of focusing on what we can't see, um, like the, the uncertainties brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic going around right now, um, we're focusing on the things that we can see. And, and today we see that God wants us to get our priorities straight in our life. Um, what has your number one priority? St. Augustine, he was a church father, he, he wrote a book called City of God and in it he talked about the order of goods. He was talking about priorities and he called God the summum bonum, the highest good. And he said that anything that you put above God, even if it's a good gift, it actually becomes evil um, because you can't love God properly if something is above God. It, it, that thing becomes an idol. And so do you have any idols in your life? I mean, idols can vary. Uh, they can be uh, sports or money or people even. And even though idols can vary, there are certain things about idols that, that are, are the same. Um, I always think that, that, that idols demand a certain amount of things. Idols demand our attention, they demand our, our time, they demand our money, and they demand our witness. So think about those things in your life um, that you really pay attention to, um, that, that, that grab your attention, the, the things that you spend a lot of time on, um, that you spend money on, that, that you tell, love to talk about and tell others about. That may be an idol in your life. And it's important to identify those idols because God wants us to have our priorities straight. So what does the Bible say is our biblical priority structure? Well, obviously God is number one and then you've got your spouse and your children and you've got your friends and work and everything else below that. The problem is the devil is super good at what he does. He gets us to flip that priority structure around. Uh, just one example. So I went, I went to school in Germany for a semester when I was in college. 
and um, my school was on top of a mountain, literally a mountain, and, and the little cute German town below um, was where we would go do our shopping, get our groceries, things like that. And so every once in a while, I would have a break in the day from school and I'd think, I'm gonna go down in the town and I'm gonna grab some groceries, then I don't have to go in later. And I would go down in the middle of the day, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon, and everything was closed. Did you know Germans take a siesta? Okay, they don't call it that, but the smaller towns, they do. They shut down for a good period of time in the afternoon, and then they open back up, and then they still close by four or five in the afternoon. Now, as an American, what was I thinking? I was thinking, these people are lazy. But you know what? The older I get, the more I realize that they had it right. I wonder if in our culture, the devil is so good at getting us to be workaholics. You know, how often haven't we put work above God in an attempt to get ahead and, 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 uh, and get further in life. Well, what does Jesus say? This is what he says in Matthew 6, verse 33. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The truth is, is that we need to see God's love first before we can love the other people and things in our lives the way God wants us to. And one of the ways we do that is, is in worship. And in worship, we hear God say, I love you in so many different ways. He says it through his word. He says it in baptism. He says it in the Lord's Supper. All three the same. I love you. I forgive you. Now, does that mean God's being redundant, unnecessarily repetitive? Well, no. It just means that he knows my heart. Because sometimes you're sitting there in worship and and we confess our sins and you hear the pastor say, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Does he mean you? Absolutely. But sometimes I can sit there and I can think, well, he means the other people here, but he doesn't mean me. If he knew what I was thinking, what I was doing, he couldn't mean me. And so what does Jesus do? He sends me to the baptismal font and he says, remember what I did for you there. For you and no one else at that moment, I made you my child. I forgive you. I love you. Again, does Jesus mean me? Absolutely. But then my heart can say, but that was a long time ago, Jesus. You wouldn't be saying that now. I walked away from you. You wouldn't have said that. And then Jesus says, okay, go to my altar. Go to the Lord's Supper. Take and eat, take and drink. This is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you. And at that moment, it's just me and Jesus. My heart has no escape. No escape. Jesus means me. And it's when I understand that love that God becomes that number one priority in my life and that allows me to put everything else in the proper ranking. You know, right now in our country, like I said, we're going through that COVID-19 pandemic and I don't know the end of it, but it has certainly ground a lot of things to a halt. Maybe this would be a great time in your life to sit down, take this time and reprioritize. Seek first the kingdom of the one who made you first. Let's pray. Yours forever, God of love, hear us from your throne above. Yours forever, may we be here and in eternity. Amen. Yesterday we saw from God's word that God wants us to get, his, or get our priorities right. And today we add one element, uh, for the right reason, right? Um, God wants us to do those God-pleasing things, that is, things that are in line with his word, but he wants us to do it for the right reason. So the question is, what is the right reason? This is what God's word says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 14 to 15. For Christ's love compels us, 
because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ's love compels us. Well, what is Christ's love? Well, the fact that he suffered hell on the cross so that you and I never would have to. So now what's the heart's only response? I want to thank you, Jesus. In fact, I love the way the Bible says it there, that Christ's love compels us. We kind of have that thought in English too. If I say to you, I don't have to, but I have to, you know what I mean, right? Um, I don't have to do anything, but I want to. Um, I want to be able to say thank you. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said something along the lines of, um, a good work is not completed until it's thanked. I I think that's so true. Um, We just need to say thank you in order for that good work to be complete. Just one example. So last year I was coming back from presenting in in, uh, the Seattle area. And I I came home and it was late at night because I'm coming from the West Coast. I wasn't going to get home until about 2 in the morning. And as I was driving home, I was thinking, oh man, 10 inches of snow fell. I'm going to have to spend a couple hours shoveling. um, And then I've got to teach the next day. I was going to be exhausted. Well, when I drove up to my house, I saw the most beautiful sight. I saw clean sidewalks and a clean driveway. Somebody had cleared, probably spent a couple hours clearing all of the snow away. And so I went to bed and I got up the next day and right away I looked for who could have done this. And so I went to my brother who is, you know, sometimes we do that for each other when the other person's out of town. And I went to him and I said, Nate, do you, did, you, did you clear my, my sidewalk and my driveway? And he said, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I thought, oh man, okay, I've got to look. And I, I, I asked everybody I could think of if they did it and nobody knew anything about it. And so finally I was frustrated and I circled back to Nate and I said, Nate, do you really, do you really not know who did this? And he just kind of looked down and he sheepishly said, yeah, okay, I did it. So what did I do? Well, first I punched him and then I thanked him, right? I had to thank him. Um, I had to say, um, thank you, brother. And then that good work could be completed, right? Well, take that times 10,000. And then you start to get close to why we do what we do. Christ's love compels us. And that brings me to a second thing that I want to point out. It's why we do what we do. We don't do it for recognition. Finally, I know that's why my brother didn't admit to having spent a couple hours clearing out my driveway and my sidewalks. Um, He didn't do it for that reason. Finally, it doesn't matter if no one sees. There is one who does see. I'm reminded of a touching um, movie based on an old play called The Juggler of Notre Dame. And without going into all the details, the basic premise is this. He was a juggler and his wife um, died and he, he went to a bad place. Um, he became um, a beggar and he bumped, uh, bounced around from town to town and he came to this little town that really took him in. And around Christmas time, the, the, the town who has shown so much kindness to him, um, they were all going to give offerings, um, lay gifts before a statue of Jesus. Okay, it was really a statue of Mary, but to make my point, it's a statue of Jesus. Um, but laying gifts before the statue of Jesus. And the, and the juggler, he didn't have anything, and he had no gifts to give, so he waited till everyone had left. And late at night, he went up to the statue, and he stood before it, and he said, if all I can do is juggle, then I juggle for you. And he started juggling all by himself, juggling for Jesus. Finally, it doesn't matter if anyone sees the things you do. If only Jesus sees it, that's okay. Always remember that he was the only intended audience anyway. Let's pray. Oh, sing my soul your maker's praise. 
in grateful hymns ascending, whose steadfast love has crowned your days with heavenly gifts unending. I sought the Lord, he heard my cry, his holy angels hover high, the tents of those who love him. Amen. Hey friends, you may or may not know that Time of Grace Ministries is 100% donor supported. You know what that means. We wouldn't be here without you. At all. Thank you. We're so grateful for the ways that you allow us to encourage others with the word of God and if God would move you in your heart to be able to, or to do that again, we'd, uh, we'd be so grateful. Click on the link below and you'll find more opportunities to support the ministry. Hey, what's up everyone? Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. Uh, we certainly would love this message to reach more and more people. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing this podcast, it would bring it to more people's eyes and we pray this message into more people's hearts. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you soon.